Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Rich Novak, who is Vice President for Continuing Studies in Distance Education at Rutgers University. Rich and podcast host Amra Lawalia evaluate the changes in higher education over the past decade and discuss the opportunities ahead for continuing education. Rich Novak, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Hey, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time out here. And, and for those of you who, who are listening to this episode, you'll obviously recognize Rich's name if you have any background in the continuing ed space. I'm particularly grateful to Rich. Is uh, one of the first contributors to the evolution. In, in yes. I think you wrote the article in 2011, and we published it when yes. we went live in 2012. And yes. It's it's really been an education for me to, to have the opportunity to work for you, so work with you. So I, I just appreciate you taking the time. Well, it's been a tremendous service to our uh, sector, right? To adult and continuing education, all the articles that you're doing, the podcast, and so on. I think it's been really helpful, and you know I salute you for that. You <laughs> you haven't given up, you know, from, from that original vision, right? I, it seemed crazy I, I at the time, right? No, well, it, you know, I, I don't know, crazy. I, I would say it was it was risky. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, and and it was clear that it was going to take a lot of heavy lifting yeah. to get it going. But you've done it, and you've you've consistently come out with quality uh, articles uh, and quality people. Like you have, you have wrangled the contributor base is incredible. Yeah, I mean, folks been, are really passionate about this work, and yeah, that's yeah. well, and that's it, you know, we're we're obviously we're recording for those of you who are listening, and you're like, what's the background noise? Yeah. Uh, we're we're live at, at the Upsia conference here in D.C., and you know, you you obviously have a, have a pretty significant background with the organization. And what's always struck me about Upsia, and my I think I did my first Upsia was twenty. 13 or 2014 and, mm-hmm. and I've loved everyone since it's there's a sense of community here that there is yeah a- absolutely is even a, a conference with a thousand people there is a sense of community it's incredible there's yeah. 1100 people here with us yeah that's absolutely a, incredible it's astounding you know and I know people that here I see people here go back 20 years mm-hmm. I mean so I've had these long time relationships with people yeah and it's just been great, great. absolutely I mean it really is it's collegial yeah. it's collaborative it's friendly this yeah. is so I, and I'm curious about that you know you're you've obviously had a, a, a storied career in the space yeah you've, you've been at Rutgers for 20 years what have been some of the more dramatic or drastic shifts that you've seen o- over the course of that period of time because I mean we're talking about a conference now that has 1100 people yeah and if I think Think about Upsia in 2013, and you told me that in whatever this is, call it six or eight years or so, that there'd be 1,100 people at the conference. I think I would have been pretty staggered. Yeah, and and I think it's a reflection of what's gone on in higher education, mm-hmm. right? That the uh, growth of uh, interest in in lifelong learning, the growth in um, adult learners and serving adult learners, um, obviously, uh, uh, you know we saw most dramatically through the pandemic the growth in online um but i think all of those things um have have um uh, motivated people to mm-hmm. gatherings like this yeah. and to share with colleagues and to learn from our sponsors who are here yeah. and you know what what new tools are there what new ideas are there uh what are some of the best practices but as i like to say I think Upsia is a place where people are not afraid to share their worst practices, right? Yes. These are the pitfalls, like watch out for this, Yes. you know? And as I tell my staff, uh, you know, I have an idea. 
it may not be a good idea, <laughs> but it's an idea. So yeah. let's let's talk it through. Let's let you know. And if it's a bad idea, we sink it. You know. Yep. But I think that opens the door for everybody to have an idea. Yes. And I think that's what you see here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's not just the the schools that are you know the leads. Uh, it's everybody. Everybody has a chance to to be part of that community and part of that conversation. And I think that's terrific. Well, you know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I think a common thread for me. Through through this conference, through the conferences we've seen, we've experienced over the past few years in in this space specifically, is around an, a really unique and interesting combination of empathy and business mindedness. Yes, absolutely. Right, business mindedness is is central. It's it's part of the yep. DNA of, of this segment of the industry, and right. empathy has always been part of it. But I feel like more now than ever, I'm seeing empathy coming to the forefront, an openness to vulnerability, yes. an openness to understanding it and to putting yourself in the shoes of the learner, putting yourself in the shoes yeah. of the staff. Yeah. It's it's really incredible to, again, it, it just speaks to the community. Yeah, I, I suspect, and this is just a hunch, um, you know, I didn't empirically test it, but uh, I, I suspect that the pandemic has made us all a little more empathic mm-hmm. uh, and that we recognize that we are all vulnerable yes. uh, you know on some level in some dimension so having that uh, uh, sharing that with others is 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 a really positive thing Absolutely. the other thing I would say about Opsia that has been consistent through the last 20 years is that people even though they are technically competitors mm-hmm. schools yeah, are absolutely. technically competitors especially yep. now in the online space yes. um, are very willing to share yes. right they will share trade secrets mm-hmm. this is the only industry yeah, where, where people will actually <laughs> share trade secrets yep. you know and and it is uh that sense of of uh uh, I don't know community. Mm-hmm. You know, you use that that word. I think that's yeah. that's that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. we. Yeah. All, I mean, we've we've always. You know, when when we used to do a contributor newsletter some ten years ago. Yeah, we referred to the contributor community, and yeah. we really. That community element of, of this work is something that I think draws people back to it and draws people into it. Yeah. Now I am curious. We you know we talked about some of the changes that we have seen. What are some of the changes that you wish you'd seen by this point? Yeah. I so. I, I want to pick up on one more change yeah, that I've seen let's dive because, into that. because sure. it does influence everything else, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that's um, we we've seen um, a much more educated consumer base, yes, a much more demanding, uh, and and I think that the supply has grown even bigger than the consumer base, right? And, yeah. and the interest. Interesting. So you know you have a lot of. Uh, diversity of offerings many of them are free you know so so there are opportunities for people to learn I think more dramatically today than 20 years ago mm-hmm. and they can do it and and thankfully the technology has supported that they can do it uh, at their home yep. you know and with their computer on their phone you know whatever yep. so um, yeah so I think those are all Really, really good. It all good speaks to sort of a, a broader student centricity, right? It's mm-hmm. Student centricity in, in flexibility of offerings, in design of the administration, in even the, the decision making around programming in terms of launches and sunsets. A- that, absolutely, it all comes back to what's right for the student. Yeah, and and so then that, that I'm going to segue from that to your <laughs> second question, yes. which is you know what what where I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, you know where are there some places that we haven't grown as far sure. as I would like to have seen us grown. And I, and I do think 
take that first part with all the additional learners, all the different ways that people are learning, all the different vehicles and so on, we are still too stuck, too yeah. stubborn in our reliance on credit hour, yes. right? Uh, we, we just are, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I, I love, uh, th there was an article I read many years ago um, by uh, um, the author, I believe, is Peggy Noonan. I think she was like early oh, yeah. days, University of yeah. Phoenix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this article, and, and, and it's stuck with me ever since. And she said, um, when we are focused on seat time, we are worried about the wrong end of the student. <laughs> and and I love that, right? Yeah. I love it because that just keeps coming back even more so than 20 years ago. Yes. So I think the area, that's one area that I would say that, you know, we still haven't grown far enough. Right. There's a great push in terms of the micro-credential, alternative credential, mm -hmm. and that's coming that push is coming from all sides yep. and and it's going to be hard to hold that back right well you know it's it's interesting you bring that up right because when i think about the power of micro credentialing it strikes me as a challenge to the foundations of what we've built our industry on sure, yeah, we've built, you know we, we've built absolutely. our industry yeah. on degrees and, and right. on seat time the coin of the realm man so how <laughs> you know how do we start to make that palatable yeah. like what's and and you know it speaks broadly to the role of continuing ed and, and yes. i think there's you know actually it, it uh, what a, what an accidental segue into <laughs> into the next question yep because that it implies a very different role for professional continuing and online that's education right. units that's right as the foundational demand for education shifts from being what the industry is used for a millennia that's right to what the that the consumer and the employer wants today exactly exactly so uh, I think that for PCO units professional continuing and online units uh, they are we are because um, I'm part of that community. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, still, as, as, <laughs> as last, now. last I checked, <laughs> you know, no emails from my boss or anything. So, um, no, but seriously, uh, you know, that uh, in this community, we have been able to leverage increasingly powerful technology that is easier to use. Price points are much lower, many things are free, and we're able to provide access to many more people. Yep. At the same time, we have, um, we, we've, we've increased the number of on-ramps for people. Yes. And it could be, uh, you know, a non-credit certificate program, it might be a MOOC, it, it could be any number of things. Um, and I think those are all really positive developments, but that means that PCO units have to have many more tools yes. in their toolbox. You cannot rely on a single tool, right? If I give you a Excel hammer, not sweat, everything actually. is is a nail, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really critical. Um, thankfully, we're seeing again from all over uh, an increased focus on lifelong learning. Yes, you're hearing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. You are, you know, you 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 can't go any pay attention to anybody that's talking about any learning or education. You're inevitably going to hear lifelong learning. Yep. That's, I think, really a positive development. That's that's us, PCO units. Yep. That's what we support. You know, my own unit, Division of Continuing Studies at Rutgers, um, we have 20 different business units. What links us all together 
is lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. So we're offering programming from preschool through senior adults, right. but lifelong learning is the key. Yep. And it might be credit, might be non-credit, might be badge, might be dot, might be a MOOC, doesn't matter. Yep. Well, it's, and you start to think about the, the, the expanse of a 60-year curriculum concept. Yep, yep. You know, it really does take into account, well, what does, what does the pre-K look like? How are you building a college-going culture among people that might not have ever thought of themselves as college-going? Right. How do you build that socioeconomic mobility that, that the post-secondary education institution is supposed to provide? Yeah. And that's where the, the first portion, because, you know, and even in, in our space, when we talk about lifelong learning, we're talking about 25-plus. Yeah, you know, usually. we tend not to think about right. the lesser than or equal to 17. Usually. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's, it is kind of fascinating to think through, like, if we're going to talk about a 60-year curriculum, that's, that's expansive. That's right. I, I would add three other points mm -hmm. um, really quickly. One is I think that with um, PCO units, one of the things that we have the opportunity to do, and we see many examples are, <coughs> excuse me, of addressing diversity, equity, access, diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. Yes. And we are doing it, right? Mm -hmm. We're making inroads because we have more tools in our toolbox. Yes. And it's not just the credit hour. It's not just the degree. We have many more things that we can do. So I think that's, you know, that's one thing I would point to. Another thing change that I would point to is I see greater collaboration among universities yes. than ever before. Yep. For joint curriculum, for joint programming, for uh, you know any number of things, right? So I think again, that's really that's really a positive development in my mind. That serves the learner. My biggest goal is to how do we serve the learners? Yeah. How do we serve the learners? Um, we're also not quite there yet, but we're paying a lot more attention to uh, credit for prior learning. Yes. You know, we're just. I mean, yes, there are institutions out there who are doing it well. I'm talking about like, you know, is there is there widespread across? Yeah. I don't think yet, but it's. I think it's there's coming. a recognition. There's there a recognition, is, there is a recognition for the recognition. need, if not a recognition and, for prior learning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and 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 there are tensions, right? In in traditional universities, there, my own included, um, you know, there are tensions between the traditional, traditionalist, I'll call them, right? Sure. Credit hour, degree program, that's the way that you attend higher education. Mm -hmm. Up against open access, yep. right? Yep. Uh, let's serve populations that have not been served. Mm -hmm. Let's find ways to uh, eliminate or, or at least lower barriers to participation. And uh, you know what? That diversity makes us all better. Yes, makes us a richer uh, environment, a richer culture, a richer community. So I think those are all developments that I've seen that that I think are really hopeful for the future. Absolutely. So you know, it's it's interesting. We talk about a lot of these a lot of these features and facets, and I think in the PCO world, a lot of these trends were things that we've either been doing or seen coming for yes. again for decades. Yes. Um, but you know, when you talk to folks on the traditional side of house and the, the broad shift since 2020 to flexible learning, to right. online modalities, and <laughs> right. these kinds of things seem like they came out of nowhere. Right, right, so right. So I am curious, if, if you think about the last three years in the context of your full career, yeah. how did the pandemic impact the way that PCO units work and the role that they tend to play? Sure, sure. So let me use uh, a, a little bit of a, a crude uh, story here uh, that I experienced, right? So pre before the pandemic, um, I had 
one of our deans who thought the work that I was doing was essentially lower than dirt, right? It just, it really had no respect yeah. in, in academe. During the pandemic, I get a call from him and he's lost, right? Mm -hmm. What do I do? My faculty are knocking down the door. How do I, how do I, so I provided all the solutions my team, not not me personally, sure, sure. right? Yep. But but that's what we do. Like yeah. we were ready for this, right? I have become a godsend to him. <laughs> Those are the words that he used, right? So so that's a tremendous shift yeah. in in respect. We we didn't change, you know. I'm still the same person I was, you know, before the pandemic. For sure. But but now that you need me, and now that you're thinking yeah, more yeah, broadly, yeah. right? It's it's all of a sudden. All of a sudden. Yeah. Um, so I would say that you know that was that was one of the um, big shifts in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. This is what we had prepared for for 25 yeah. years. Well, because it did, it didn't come out of nowhere. That's this was right. A, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we knew how to make that shift. Yeah. And and the other thing is we helped the academy to understand the difference between online that is built from the ground up intentionally planned over a long period of time and this emergency instruction emergency yes. remote instruction yes. that we could turn on a dime mm -hmm. you know my team's converted like 3000 courses in a week goodness gracious you know and yeah. and and we didn't call them online. We said, you know, this is remote learning. This, this is, is remote yeah. learning, you know, and it's in an emergency. We met the emergency, and yep. students were well served. Yep. Students were well served. Um, they got the equivalent. Uh, you know, we we don't say the same, but they mm -hmm. got the equivalent and the course objectives and the outcomes and and yep. and all of that. So I think that proved a point. Yep. That we can learn virtually. I'm not suggesting in any way that. This is this is now the motivation that we shift everything online, right? Yeah. Close down the campuses. No, that, that no, that's ridiculous, yeah. right? But but I think it provides access for just tons of people who otherwise wouldn't have access to yes. higher education. We know that more education is is better for you. It's better for your health. Mm -hmm. It's better for your Absolutely. well being. Yeah. It's better for your own personal economy. Um, so why wouldn't we give it to everybody? Absolutely. Right. You know, it's it's incredible. It's it's interesting as you, as you point that out, because that's one of the pieces that I think any time we talk about innovation, there's this perception that because of innovation or because of a change or because of a, a new approach we're suggesting to get rid of everything that came before it. Right. And I always think about it in terms of highways and roads, mm -hmm. right? When a highway gets built, we don't tear the road out. That's right. The road still exists for the people who need the road. That's right. The highway exists for people who need a different way to get where they're going. Exactly. And and that's, I, I think it's really important when we talk about the the advances of, of digital learning opportunities and, and hybrid learning environments, when we talk about uh, the, the introduction of alternative credentials and new credentialing formats, the suggestion is not because we're launching this, we want to get rid of that. The suggestion is people were not served by what we were doing before, and isn't it great that we can create more access to people? And I think it's the same uh, thinking that we should approach things like artificial intelligence, yes. AI, right? It's not a threat. No. I don't see it as a threat. I see the challenge is how do we work with it? How do we use there it? There it is. How do we, yep. how do we uh, you know, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. It's not going to replace us, but if we don't deal with it, uh, yep. then it is a threat. Well, because it, it'll show a, a lack of alignment. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think um, that that is, uh, there are so many exciting 
prospects for the future mm -hmm. that we're only seeing just the, the tip of it today. Well, and let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, as you think about the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years yeah. in the continuing ed world, I mean, what are some of the things that you really want continuing education and higher education more broadly to embody? What do you, what do you want some of the characteristics to evolve into? You know, I think um, a couple things that I've mentioned I would double down on. Sure. Okay? So I would double down on our uh, commitment to diversity, equity, access, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that is, that just got to be part of the DNA. It's not a separate program. It is. It, be, it needs to be uh, infused. It needs to be, uh, so at, at, at our um, unit, at, at Division of Continuing Studies, it, it is one of our core values. Mm -hmm. um, we program around it. We do staff development around it. Um, why? Because we want a more inclusive community and we want more access. Yep. Um, so I think I would double down there. I would double down on micro-credentials. That's not going away. Uh, industry leaders are telling us uh, they really want it, but they're confused. You know, universities are confusing them, so we got to get our act together. Yep. And, and, and I think partnering uh, is one way of doing that, right? Partnering with business and industry yep. and, and doing some things together because there are some tremendous educational leaders who are in yes. industry, right? They're not dummies. Yep. So let's do the best of both worlds and let's serve learners. Completely agree. Um, yep. So I think that's another area. I think looking at the technology. So we talked about AI, how do, figuring out how do we use AI to improve learning and improve our business processes, right? Yep. It, there's the opportunity to eliminate and, and this is early days, mm -hmm. there are possibilities to eliminate some of the routine business practices. We don't need yeah. people doing that. Yeah. Let AI do it. Let people do more interesting yes, work. Absolutely. Right? You know, it, it is funny. and uh, You'll know Wayne Smoots extremely well. And, absolutely. You know, Wayne, I, I do hope you're listening to this. <laughs> um, so Wayne had a and concept. And I hope he's of, well. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, he had a concept of high touch, high tech. Yes. And, and, you know, basically the capacity for automation to start taking things off people's plates. Right. Um, you know, and, and you think about automation theory, it's basically, it's not the idea of replacing jobs, it's replacing um, work processes. Yes. Job functions. Yes. And that's the piece that I think both inside and outside the post-secondary institution, we should be very aware of. We have the capacity to leverage tools and automations to make life easier for staff so they can focus on the things that their energy deserves. And at the same time, we can we can find ways to create learning opportunities so that for, for folks in the workforce who need upskilling and reskilling opportunities, it's because automation is freeing their time up to do more human-specific things. Like, this, right. is, this is a two-way street for right. us. And to bring it full circle, it underscores the importance of lifelong learning. Absolutely. Because those jobs are changing, right? Yes. And you need to change with it. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, when uh, President Obama... Uh, was in office and was doing funding for job training, right? Yep. One of the most distressing things that I read about was, a, a, you know, a, a, there was a, a, a town that had uh, been decimated because their industry moved out of town. Yep. And people were complaining. They said, uh, you know, because there was the opportunity to be retrained for new jobs. Mm -hmm. and, and there were too many people saying, I don't want a new job. I just want my old job back. You know, that model just it's doesn't work. So, so I think yeah. that's the nub for us. Like, how do we make a convincing argument that, yeah. look, 
learning doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, it's you know not what? painful. That's such an interesting point. Like that's, you know, Clinton ran on that, that promise as well. Yes. That was, that was yes. also his, he was the education president. Yeah. His whole thing was on tra- creating opportunities for upskilling Absolutely. and reskilling. It's a marketing issue to a certain extent for us, but there's more to it. There's, it's a program alignment. Yeah. It's, it's a value proposition issue. And I think the more we can find ways for the continuing education to have visibility during the traditional undergraduate experience, yeah. the less we'll run into these issues over time because people will have some exposure to what that could be. Right. I mean, have you, have you seen opportunities to create that alignment as yet between sort of continuing education in the main campus and you know, further to, to the conversation we're having? Have you seen the interest in that grow over the last 20 years? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, because it's grown successfully in many places, I think there is less fear about it, right? And, you know, it was a new thing. We are not going to ruin the brand, (laughs) right? We're not going to give away the coin of the realm. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, but this is a way to really be of service. And I think that's the, you know, that is the best thing that we can do is how can we be of service, right? Um, yeah, I think there are, there are so many opportunities for growth in the future. I think PCO is is really well positioned. Yeah, you know, another thing I would point to that I've seen over 25 years is online learning has matured. It yeah. has become so robust. The tools that we have can make for such a dramatically uh, powerful learning environment and experience. Mm-hmm. I think we'll keep going. We'll keep pushing. Double down on that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really exciting for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Rich, I, every time we have the opportunity to chat, I, you know, I, I so It's a delight, Amrit. Well, so, you know, always talking with you, and it, it's so much fun. Well, I tell you, it's one of those every now and then you forget you're recording. And, you know. So let me, let me ask you this as we okay. close. If someone finds themselves in, in Rocky Creek, no, Rocky Hill. Rocky Hill, New Jersey. <laughs> Where do they need to go for dinner? Okay, well, there, there is a restaurant in Rocky Hill, it's the, the, the Rocky Hill Inn, um, which is pretty terrific. And it's we, well-branded. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and we specialize in these incredibly deluxe uh, cheeseburgers mm. and about 50 different types of beer. So you can't go wrong. Yeah, that's, that's a good, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Rich, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Same, thank you. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus engagement platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.